Well, last week in the first service, I, I got pretty far through this or a, a good intro to just this theme, theme that's been in my heart about the established heart. Second service, it went a whole different direction. We ended up worshiping and we just... Uh, Maybe it was the, the, day, the daylight savings change, but I think people came, slept, well, they were filled up, and, and they weren't tired, and man, we pressed in and worship, and just never really got to the message much. So I'm picking up this theme, Established Heart, this morning, and maybe from a little different perspective than I started on last week. And un- unfortunately, one of the, the, the recent tragedies and the things that are happening in our culture, as we've talked about the, the last few weeks, some of these things that are happening in the in society, in, in our culture, the challenges that are going on, how many know we need to be established as the people of God, know who we are and who He is to us? And like never before, we sang a song about things being shaken. I, I don't know. I've been a believer now for 40 years. There's been seasons where there's been intense things happening in the culture around us and political shifts and wars and those things. But I, I can't remember another time that seems like things are being shaken in many different places like they are now. And with this conviction that as the things shake around us, how many know God wants us to be on a firm foundation, that you wouldn't be shaken, amen? So Psalm 112 was our foundation last week, and it says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Read that next line with me. Surely he will never be shaken, or surely she will never be shaken. The righteous will be in an everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast. Trusting in the Lord, verse 8, his heart is established, he will not be afraid. So last week we started by breaking down what that word established means and, and just, again, exhorting from different passages how the Lord wants us to be established and not be afraid. Well, while we were pre- pre- preparing for first service last week in Texas, First Baptist Church, Sutherland Springs, you've heard about it, a crazed gunman went in and started firing off into that church. And killed, I think it's 25 or 26 people with many more wounded. And while we were sitting here that last Sunday, that was going on there. And how many know that would be a, a shaking for sure? Charisma News this week says 26 people shot to death by a deranged gunman whose in-laws attended the church. It's more than half the congregation was wiped out in just a few minutes. Among the victims were children and some of the elderly and even the pastor's daughters. And here's what some national news leaders, some national Christian leaders were saying about this. They said, this is Michael Brown, pastor. He's also been a revivalist, part of Brownsville. He said, this is the time to mourn and weep and not to get into political debates. Let's focus first and foremost on the agony of this small community, going to God on their behalf. And this morning at pre-service prayer, we, we lifted up that church, the pastor, the families, and... Uh, They're going to God on their behalf, and then let's intercede for our nation. He says this, we're very sick and in desperate need of the Lord. How many believe that in our culture, that things, they're not well in many places, and we need the Lord. Daniel Norris, traveling evangelist, said this way, from the massacre in Las Vegas to the terror attack in New York, and now to the assault in the small town of Sutherland Springs, we see that evil knows no bounds, and we can all be at risk. Our nation descends deeper by the day. He goes on to say, this was not my reality as I grew up, yet I find myself raising kids for which it is. I'm saddened, I'm angry, I grieve, 
and I hurt. How many felt those emotions this week as we just uh, had heard about those things? Prayer is where it must all begin, and we have yet to do that. We must fall on our knees in true prayer, and then we need much action from the pew. Our world hurts around us because it remains unhealed. It remains unhealed because we've withheld its healing, but no more. Today is not the day to secure ourselves within the church house, but to secure our cities through much prayer and a true display of the gospel. It remains our only hope. How many believe that, that we need to be active about it? Gary Dull, he's the executive pastor of the uh, Pennsylvania Pastors Network. He says this, I offer the following suggestions in light of the shooting in Texas. Christians across America must pray earnestly for Frank Pomeroy and the congregation of the First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs, Texas, and their leadership as they work to recover from this tragedy and endeavor to strengthen their congregation. Every church must take efforts to have qualified security teams prepared to protect the congregation that gathers to worship, no matter the size of the congregation. And we're going to talk about that plan that's been in place for a while. We just haven't talked about it, but in a few minutes we'll talk a little about that. We must all recognize we're in spiritual battle and are not just facing flesh and blood, but the evil forces of Satan that desire to bring fear and destruction in the hearts of all people. We should acknowledge that Christians will suffer persecution, which will become more more intense as we draw closer to the return of the Lord, according to 2 Timothy 3. But we must also... All of us be vigilant and alert as to what's going on around us and be prepared. Say prepared. Be prepared for anything that may come our way, according to 1 Peter 5.8. And so we see these things happen and sometimes intensifying. I mean, for it to happen in a church, maybe 20 of these instances are happening a year right now in, in different places, in the streets, in the public, and theaters, and, uh, you know, in tourist areas. We see some of the increase in a church out of uh, 300 and some thousand churches, maybe, you know, 20 a year. That, that's not a real high percentage, but yet we need to be alert and aware. How many believe that? And also, we need to pray. The scripture tells us who the source is. And for some of us that come away and say, you know, God, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing to do that? For those from our camp see Scripture a whole different way. We don't believe it's the Lord that's doing it. Scripture says we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Little G, little God of this world, he, he's the one that's responsible for killing and destroying. Jesus said in 10, John 10.10 10, that the thief, he comes to kill and steal and destroy. But Jesus came to do what? To give us life and life more abundantly. And that passage sets the stage. Who's the destroyer? Who's the killer? Who's the murderer? It's the enemy, the enemy of our souls. And that's why we need to be alert and aware and established in our, in our God and in our true uh, identity of who we are in Christ. Amen? John 8.44, Jesus called him a liar and the father of lies. So somewhere that crazed gunman started believing a lie about why he should enter a church and destroy those lives. Maybe it was in retaliation, maybe it was in, in just own personal hurt, his own woundedness, his own you know, affliction when he was young. I don't know the source of those things, but somewhere that, that kind of murderous spirit starts with a lie. And Jesus said, the enemy, he's the father of lies, he's been a liar from the beginning, and that's his source. How many know we're supposed to be children of the truth and, and encourage people and, and share the truth with people and share their true identity and what God has for them? Scripture says in Ephesians 6, 12, that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but rulers of darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, 
Revelation 12 reveals the enemy as the great dragon, the destroyer. And Revelation 12 says that he'd come down in great wrath knowing that his time is short. And it seems to me like that's intensified. That when you look in these different parts of our culture where, where, where things are uh, just, you know, there seems like there's a dividing line, good versus bad, light versus darkness, true believers versus those that are drifting and getting caught up in all kinds of different false ideas and, and just even like pagan offshoots from Christianity, there's a real divide going on. And for you and me to be established, we got to know who we are and who our God is. Amen? That's some of you. Jesus said this, John 8, 44. He's speaking to his adversaries. He's making this really, really clear. Jesus is. Really clear. These are religious people. And he's saying, you're of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he doesn't stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he's a liar and the father of it. Jesus is calling out his adversary right there. He's calling out the enemy of our souls, and he's telling to us he's a liar, he's a deceiver, he's a murderer, and you and me are called to resist him, we're called to expose him, we're called to stand in our identity and and be established in who we are in Christ. Amen, church? And so that's one of the motivations for, you know, just spending some time on this to just help us to understand and to know and to remember and to recognize who we are in the family of God and some of the promises that he's made for you and me. And not only that, as having an established heart, what that means to establishing our heart, really, I felt there's four different things that really are covered in being established. Number one is prayer. We need to be praying. We need to be praying in our own life, stay connected in our devotional time to God, and also covering our households and our families. Tuesday mornings when we pray over you, we pray God's protection over you, favor over you, divine connections in your life. Tuesday morning when we're praying over our church family, we're praying that God's going to lead you. And where he said, pray this way, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we pray that prayer over you. We pray for God's provision in your life, that you'll have divine appointments that there'll be provision in your household, your family, your connections, your jobs, your contracts, that you'd be prospered, you'd be promoted. We, we pray those things over our church family because we believe that's part of covering. And as we ask God and, and speak back his promises, the word for intercession is pagat, means intersection. So we know God's will. And when we're praying God's will, there's an intersection. And when we're in agreement with God, amazing, powerful things can happen. So we're praying God's heart. We're praying what we believe is God's promises, his intent for his church, what we should be established in. When we're praying those things, there's an intersection where God's will, he said, pray this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe intercession brings the promises of heaven, the reality of heaven into people's homes, into people's hearts. Amen? That's why we pray. The second part is preparation. God forbid that we would have that kind of scenario, but we worked through a couple of those scenarios about a month ago with a trained professional in the community. He came in here and we had some of our staff and some of the teachers and some of the, the, most of the ushers and the team. And really, in order to be effective in an emergency like that, they would ask you to get down and either crawl or start moving. There's exits here, there's exits in the corners. Well, they would respond and they would respond with force. And so, uh, God forbid it would happen. I, I pray that it never does. I didn't even, you know, a couple of years ago when we started even entertaining the idea of armed responder, I had a, I had a negative, uh, my first response was negative. I thought, well, you know, I've trusted God all these years. 
years. I'm going to continue to trust them. But then more and more, the word got out, and even through other churches, other leaderships, denominational leaders, that this was the trend, unfortunately, was, is moving towards in the church to protect people. And we just want to make sure we have a plan in place. We, we have uh, trained there's RNs uh, in our church and uh, a couple of physicians' assistants in our church. They have a really well-established first aid kit. They have a plan. Uh, only a couple times have we had to even use that plan. But even when we've been in church before, there's been emergency crews on our church property. The paramedics have been here a couple times for things that have happened. And uh, so far, it's gone very smoothly. But training and preparation makes a difference. Amen? So I, I want to thank you to all those that are part of that team and stay trained up and prayed up on that team and uh, keep Agape family safe and uh, keep God's, just his purposes for our church moving forward. Amen? So that's the preparation part, but th this word again, to be established, means to solidly plant, be planted, eliminating vacillation, to be firmly rooted and growing well. And that's, that's what I want for us, that, you know, as these things are happening around us and the winds are blowing and storms are coming, that you and me are firmly grounded and firmly planted in knowing who we are and knowing who He is and knowing His promises for our life. So just having that sure foundation is important, and you're not going to get it in a 30-minute message on Sundays. I encourage you to get in the Word of God. Find out who, what He said about you and me, who we are in Christ, His promises for you and me. We need to get those things established in us. Amen? And some of us have been raised around it, and this is the, almost the more dangerous thing, is you've been arranged, raised around it, so you hear it, and after a while, you just kind of take it for granted. Oh, I know that stuff. Oh, yeah, I know those things, but it, it, it's, it's like a weapon. Unless you use it and practice with it and, and, and keep it available and alert, it, it, it's not going to prosper you when, when time comes. When you're squeezed, what comes out of you? There's confidence in who God is. There's confidence in his promises towards you, his love for you. When you get squeezed, what comes out of the inside of you? Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if we fill our heart with that, that assurance that he loves us, that he's for us, that he's with us, that he's father, that he's looking out for us, that he wants to protect us, he wants to take care of us. If we, if we have that assurance, even when calamity comes our way, that, that he's going to provide a way of escape, that he's going to do something even in the midst of calamity because his hand's on us, leading us through us leading us through it. Th those are the places of an established heart. Amen? So this is, this is Colossians 2. We, we hit this again, at least in this service last week. But this is what Paul exhorts the church in Colossians. He says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and read that yellow with me, established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. And so he makes this distinction between those that, you know, in culture, there's, there's a lot of religious thinking. I think America, we're, we're scoring higher as a spiritual people, a religious people, in, in many senses of the way we're a spiritual people. But are we founded, established in Christ? There's a difference. We were in Morro Bay yesterday, and we went out with Pastor Juan and, uh, and Pastor Rosie, and uh, Wayne Stewart took us out on his catamaran, and it was a blast. And then I, I stopped by to visit a gal, an uh, older gal, and she gave me a newspaper where her picture was in it. It was about Veterans Day, and 
And uh, back in the day, she, she worked in a shipyard or, or a place where they're building ships and then eventually building airplanes. And she was on roller skates delivering blueprints. And so it was kind of a cool story. But as I, as I looked at this newspaper, uh, it, was, it was talking about old stories and Veterans Day, but there was new information in it, what's going on in Morro Bay. There, there's a group gathering, and they're talking about a, a, an angel, Angel Shakara or something, who gives you power and healing principles and healing power. That, that's in our community. I, I know there's, through history, we've, through time, we've had all kinds of just different New Age teachers coming through and talking about different philosophies and ideas. And uh, it's easy for us, just with the tickling of our ears, to be intrigued with those things. And, and some of us even to start putting a little faith more in horoscopes and in, in the Jewish calendar, Hebrew calendar, different kind of calendars, the Chaldean calendar. We, we start getting intrigued with these different things that are kind of new age-ish that can pull us off of our foundation in Christ. And an established heart and person established in Christ, when things come against us, you know, as believers with the Christian worldview, our knowing, our foundation needs to be who we are in Christ and what he's done for us, amen, and what he still promises for you and me. And that, that comes from spending time in the word of God. That comes from spending time in relationship with him, amen? And so in verse 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who's the head of all principality and power. And so Part of our foundation in, in growing up, we've tried to trade our kids in that, that, you know, there is evil things, there's wicked things. Our, our kids have been even nightmare stuff at night. I, I still remember when Allie went off to Pensacola, she, she got married to Zach, and, and uh, Zach was gone for a weekend. She was staying at a friend's house, and she said all of a sudden at night, just this tremendous fear came in the room, and she woke up from it, and something was choking her. And she could feel it choking her. She's gasping. She said, Dad, I couldn't even really pray. I'm just gasping for air. And some of you in this room have told me similar things that have happened. She said, I could hardly get out the name of Jesus. But she said, I finally did. said, Jesus, Jesus. And the thing released. And she said, Dad, the weird thing, when it released and went out the door, the door moved as it was going out of the, out of the bedroom. And she knew it was a demonic attack. And there's demonic things that are, it seems like it's increasing because our culture has opened itself up more to the supernatural and not the, the Holy Ghost supernatural. And so there is a wrestling, flesh and blood. There's a wrestling with zombies and all the occult and stuff that comes with that, church. And, and as pastor, I just don't want us to be unaware. I, I like to preach encouraging things and love things and love stories and family stuff and, and put cartoons up on the screen. And I, I like that kind of stuff, but the reality of it is we're in war. We're, there, there's a battle going on. And, and as the church, we need to be aware and alert and equipped and praying and, uh, and standing against these things because God gives you and me power and he gives you and me authority. Here's what he told his, his disciples in Luke 10, 19. He says this, listen carefully. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will in any way harm you. And so... Where I have authority in my home, we have authority in this place. I don't have authority to walk into Walmart and command things around or, or in, in Costco, really. I could pray for people there. But where I have authority, I, I'm called to exercise that authority. So praying over my kids and praying over my grandkids and praying over my family. And I've shared this story with you. It was a couple years ago. Joss had just bought his Honda 450. 
And uh, he was taken off at night to go uh, over to Ali's house, lives out in the country, see Zach and Ali. And it was just in my spirit to pray for him. And so when he called me on his phone to tell me what he's doing, I said, ride with the angels. And he said, okay. And about 45 minutes later, I get a call that he hit a deer on his Honda motorcycle. Bad day for the deer, killed the deer, but my son didn't even fall off the motorcycle. And, and the Lord protected him. And I believe there's protection for us when we pray. When we, when we exercise and use the name of Jesus to pray, things can change. Things can happen for you and me. Amen? Do you believe that in here? I hope you don't. Uh, do. And if you don't, I, I hope you do. But if you don't, you need to build yourself up in it. You need to build yourself up in the promises of God and the protection of God. Amen? Well, here's Psalm 91. This is a famous psalm. It's a psalm of Moses. And when you think through ev about everything Moses went through from the time he was a little baby and Pharaoh was trying to kill him and his mom put him in a basket and sent him down the river for protection from that time until, you know, he, he got separated, raised in Pharaoh's court, got sideways with Pharaoh. He was a fugitive, ended up, you know, killing one of the Egyptians and then he's hiding in the backside of the desert and how God raised him up as a leader and all he went through crossing the Red Sea and, and battles and challenges with Pharaoh. I mean, all the stuff he went through. And then he writes this psalm. And he says it this way, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the mighty. I'll say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. That, that seems like it comes from experience. That, that, seemed, that, that phrase right there seems like it comes from a guy who's gone through a lot. And he says, I'm going to say this about the Lord. He's my refuge and my fortress. I've come to the conclusion, based on all I've been through, that I can say this, that he's my refuge and he's my fortress. He's my God. In him, I will trust. As I was preparing for Veterans Day stuff, I, I, I was, ran across this. And maybe you saw it on the news, but this is... This is a guy, Don Morrison. He's 91 years old. He was fighting in Germany and uh, in an intense battle in Germany. And here comes this explosion next to him. And a shrapnel rips across, scrapes his chin, but it lands and catches in the Bible that he carries in his top pocket. And that, that Bible, that shrapnel, uh, stuck right there. And that Bible, he said, if it wasn't for my Bible that I carried with me, it would probably pierce my heart and kill me. Well, his friends saw the blood splatter, saw him go down. They thought he was dead. And a little while later, here he comes walking up, and they thought they had seen a ghost. But, but Don was spared because of the Bible in his, in his, in his pocket. Now, I, you know, Scripture talks about getting the Word of God in our heart, not just the physical, but getting it in our heart. So when stuff happens, it comes out of our mouth. When challenges come, and, and rocks our faith, knowing who we are in Christ and being established in him, that, that will come out. That'll come out, Lord, I trust you through this. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But God, I know you well enough that I can trust you through this. I'm established in you, Lord. I'm established who you are in me and what you've done for me. Having those promises alive in us are crucial. Psalm 91 goes on to say this, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. He is, he is truth. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. 
You should not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Those are good promises right there. Amen? A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked. Man, to me, that, that, that's intense. I mean, how can people fall on this side of me, people fall on that side of me, and People would even say, well, you know, this is a good promise, but I, I've seen good people die. I, I have too. I've seen people that seem to love God. I've seen people that, you know, seem to have a relationship and, and bad things happen to them. Mike, wh wh what do you do with that? I, I don't have answers for all that, but I don't really know what's going on in their heart, how much they're really trusting or how much they're really believing or, or if they position themselves truly in that secret place with God or if they even know how to. I've seen bad things that seemingly happen to good people, and, and it does bring up questions, but I tell you what, 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 it, what it doesn't do to me, it, it makes me question, ask questions, but it doesn't change in me what I know I'm supposed to do for me and my household and my family. I'm supposed to fight the fight of faith. I'm supposed to stay steadfast in God. I'm supposed to build a foundation on the rock of what he said and on his word, and I want to lead our church in that. And, I, and circumstances happen and circumstances come and go. But I just can't build my faith or base my faith on just experience. I have to build my faith on what God said and what his word reveals. Amen, church? And so this psalmist, Moses, who, who's gone through a lot, he said, you know, a thousand fall at my right hand, 10,000, but, but, but it's not going to come near me. Because, this is why, say because. You have made the Lord, he said, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. He said, because you have done that. You know, some people ask Jesus to be their fire insurance. Some people have invited Jesus in their heart because they, they, they you know, it's kind of like my ticket to heaven. I don't want to go to hell, and I appreciate that, but it's different when you make him Lord. When you've invited him in to be Lord, when you've consecrated your family, your life, your, your purpose to him, and you've made him Lord of your life. He says, you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. And that talks about relationship, that you've cultivated relationship with him. Here it says, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra and the young lion, the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. And here's another one of those promises. See, there's two different things. When God makes an oath, when he speaks and makes an oath or a vow, there's places in scriptures he said, I, I swear by my own name. In other words, when God makes an oath, he's not going to change it. And it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not or you receive it or not. That's just God speaking by oath or vow. But many promises in his scripture is conditional. He said, it is your part and my part. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, that, that's that if. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, he gives us the if and the then. And when I read Psalm 91, there's kind of this if-then thing here for protection. It says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I deliver him. In other words, he's got relationship with me, God says. I know him. He's got relationship. His heart's established in a love and a relationship with me. I'll set him on high because he has known my name. Again, relationship. He shall call upon me and I'll answer him and I'll be with him in trouble and I'll deliver him and I'll honor him. With long life, I'll satisfy him and I'll show him my salvation. 
pretty powerful promises. Amen. I was remember we were on the uh, we were on the island of Kauai and we were on the west side of Kauai and um, Holopali Beach I think it was called. We showed up. There's all these warning signs about riptides and all that. And we watched these guys out there getting beat up and pounded in the surf and we were kind of not laughing at them per se, but just. Oh, these guys, they're just, you know, they don't know what they're doing and whatever. So we go out off to the one side. That's me, Josh, and Jeff, my sons. I have fins on, and the waves are building, but there's a riptide. There's a current that's pulling us out and around the reef. And uh, I had sunscreen on, and my eyes all of a sudden, salty water. I, I couldn't see, and I'm getting pounded by waves, and I'm starting to snort and sniffle a little, and I'm getting dragged out. I'm watching my two sons. They seem like they're going farther out. And all of a sudden, I just got that, that little uh, anxiety pop on the inside. Oh, no. I might be in trouble. And really, I've been in the, uh, the ocean hundreds and hundreds of times in some pretty big waves. But this time, it was different. I was a little older, for sure. But uh, I, I felt it pulling, and I felt it drawing me out. And then this panic kind of started setting in. I can't really see my boys. They're getting dragged out, and there's actually some memorial crosses on the beach of people that have drowned. That does not help, and uh, that does not help at all. But in my mind, I'm starting to think this thing, I, I'm in trouble. And so I, sli- I flipped over on my back, and I started praying Psalm 91, and I'm kicking my fins with everything I have. I'm praying. I don't even know how long it lasts, and I don't even know where the beach was. I'm just on my back praying, and next thing I knew, well, a little while later, a wave picks me up, deposits me on the sand. And uh, the anxiety lifts, but I, I was delivered. And my sons were still drifting off, but strong swimmers, they eventually got in. All I know is what came out of me when the pressure was on. And I can't say this every time with any kind of a braggadocious, this is what the word of God always comes out of me when I'm in trouble. I can't say that. I got to work on this just like you have to work on it. I have to develop it just like you have to develop it. But I know that in that instance, when I felt like there was danger, Psalm 91 came out of me. And, and, and I want to keep that alive, that God is my protector, that he's deliverer. Anybody with me in here? Here's the established heart. This is what he said. I will dwell. I will say, you have made the Lord your dwelling place. Because he has set his love upon me, I'll deliver him. I'll set him on high because he has known my name. There's God's part and our part. And part of this thing about an established heart is doing my part, and, and, and it's all based on relationship. Lord, I've entered into this relationship with you where I'm trusting you, where you're my sure foundation, where you're, you're, you're my hope, God. You're my helper. You're my deliverer. I, I don't know about that person or what happened there. I, I pray for him. I don't fully understand why this circumstance happened in their life, but I just got to work on me. I got to make sure that, Lord, you and me are in the right place, that I'm dwelling with you that I'm, I'm saying and declaring of you. Faith speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Lord, you're my deliverer. You're my rock. You're my ret- refuge. See, in context with that, in Joshua 1, he said, this book of law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do what's written in it, for then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you? When God sent Joshua out, he said, man, this book is just not paper. It needs to be in you. And it needs to be coming out on your mouth. You need to be meditating on it. In the culture we're in, to be established, you know, there, there's a faith confession. There's a faith believing. There's, there's something that happens when, when our heart's established and st- stuff comes against us. that We can say, God, you got this. God, I'm resting in you. I'm trusting you. 
Lord, this, this thing that's coming against me, I, I just trust that your, your hand's on me, that you're Abba, Father, and I, I'm resting in that. I say and declare, you're my rock and you're my refuge and my fortress. And there's a rest in faith that God wants us to have. Do you believe that? And, and yet he tells us here, it's just not a book to be just looked at, but, but it needs to be meditated on until it becomes real to us and alive to us and that it's in us. And, and it's a living word. It's active. It's living. That, that, that's part of our foundation in establishing our heart. So you, you and me choose. We, we get to choose what we meditate on. Some people say, well, Mike, I work a job, and I got this going on. I got that going on. And there's just all these pressures. I really don't have time to be in the word and to meditate on the word. But I, I challenge you. You're, you're meditating on something during the day. Your mind's just not blank. You're meditating about something. If you're worrying, you're meditating about negative things. If you have anxiety in your life, you're fretting over something you're thinking about. So you and me get to choose. We can choose. I'm going to put my mind and my heart, my affections more on who God is and what he promised for me. I'm going to get my heart established in the fact that now I'm a child of God. And even if I'm messing up a little, I'm, I'm going to get my heart established that he forgives me, that he's with me, that he's moving me forward in him, and that I can trust him. That's the takeaway I want you to get this morning, that I can trust him. Tell your neighbor you can trust him. So, see, what we put our mind on, here, here's Eeyore. Eeyore's got this umbrella for a tail, and he says, could be worse. Not sure how, but it could be. And, and, and some people go through life just you know, taking the news and just all the negative, 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 and that's what's coming out of them, rather than setting our heart on, establishing our heart on what God says. And you, you trust matters. Faith matters. These are, I'm not going through them. There's just seven instances where Jesus healed, seven different places where he healed. And in each of these cases, faith was important. In each of these cases, when these people were healed, Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. In other words, your response to my healing has helped bring about the result. So your, participa your participation in it, your trust in God, your believing God's important in having an established heart. Amen? Jesus said it this way. This is Jesus' words. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Heed my words. Then he said, pay attention to what you hear. By your own standard of measurement, that is to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it's going to be measured to you. And you'll be given even greater ability to respond. And more will be given to you besides, for whoever has a teachable heart to him more understanding will be given. I mean, this is the law of use. He said as you use it, as you develop it, as you believe it and apply it, it's going to work for you. To whatever degree you sow into that, he said you're going to reap from that. You're going to benefit from it. So when I hear people sharing about tragedies that some people get into, yeah, but they're Christians, Sometimes I think, well, have they established their heart? Have they sowed into just the, the, their healing? Have they sowed into their, their, their holiness, their deliverance from some of the past stuff? Has they meditated on these things? Have they given themselves to it? And as you do, Scripture promised it will be measured back to you. As you sow into your victory and, and meditate on the things that God has for you, you can be established. Your foundation will be stronger. It will be measured back to you in a place that will help you get through, get over, grow, and move forward in Him. Amen? And, and that's a hard thing for some Christians, the personal responsibility to do it. Some of us think, well, we're in God. God, you do this. God, you do this in me. God, 
God, I just want you to wave your magic heavenly wand as I stand in front of the celestial ATM, and I, and I just want you to take care of everything that I'm dealing with. And there's things he does intervene with, but then there's our responsibility because that's part of growing up as believers. What we give attention to, he says, it gets measured back to us. I'm, I'm just about done right here. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast. Read the yellow with me. His heart is steadfast, trusting the Lord. His heart is established. That's my prayer for you, that your heart would be established, amen? Be established in truth, established to who he is. I'm going to just end with the story. These are some missionaries. They're in Ghana, Keith and Debbie Jaggers. And this is their little story about how they experienced protection from the Lord. It, says, it goes this way. They were in the village of Wa, northern Ghana, and it's considered the largest village in Africa with around 30,000 people, but it's also one of the most forgotten. And so they were assigned to go to this village and, uh, and to begin missions work there. So why go somewhere so remote? Well, Jeb Debbie Jagger says this way, if you have told me years ago that we would be going and doing what we're doing, I would have smiled at you very sweetly, but I would smile and said, I don't think so. So to go to Ghana in the first place was God's call. He gave us a love for the people, and he gave us a, a desire in our hearts to go. Debbie and Keith spent six years as missionaries in southern Ghana before working in Wa, the village of Wa, in August of 2001. Many in this predominantly Muslim community practiced black magic. The Jaggers saw Wa, or what the Jaggers saw was small Christian community in need of training, so they tried to settle in and do that training quietly. Keith Jagger said, I was spat upon on the main street of town. I was a Christian, but I was an American. And so after September 11th, the people, instead of just watching us go by, they would stop and stare. And we could feel their anger towards us. The tension increased, and two watchmen were hired to guard the Jaggers' home. And then on October 4th, two strange things happened. As Keith was fixing a screen door in their home, a nail flew out of the door and grazed his face, nearly hitting him in the eye. Later that day, Debbie was working in the kitchen when a heavy shelf firmly secured to the wall gave way. Debbie recalls it came flying off the wall and it hit me in the head. It spun me around and I hit the floor. And when I got up, my head hurt so badly that I put my hand on my head and there was blood. I had to have stitches. The local doctor treated Debbie and asked her if the injury was an accident. And she thought he was implying that Keith struck her, but he knew something that the Jaggers didn't. A group of Muslim men had been in Wa for several days putting voodoo curses on the Jaggers' home. And when Keith and Debbie went to bed that night, they had no idea that five men were coming to kill them. At a quarter to two, we heard this banging on the window and screaming. He screamed, armed robbers are coming, armed robbers are coming, and I could see two men running across our yard with hoods on, Debbie says. Keith adds, they'd come over in a military-style attack. They were sneaking around. Keith and Debbie heard the hooded men beating one of their watchmen. So he went back into the bedroom to call the police, but the phone was dead, Shannon says. Keith recalls it was a little bit like watching a movie, like there's a sense of disbelief. Could this really be happening? Was it the end of the road for us? We both knew that we were going to die just, just in the way they were coming, Debbie says. They were coming through the door with a battering ram. Everything was so intense. We knew there was a purpose for them coming, and we believed that we might die. 
we immediately just started to pray, to pray God's protection on ourselves and on our property. Just pray, Keith said. And once inside, the intruders went from room to room, yelling and ransacking the house. Debbie and Keith hid in the bathroom's shower stall. They were so overcome by fear that they could hear each other's heartbeat. Debbie continues, they got to us in the bathroom. He pushed the handle down and opened it very slowly, and then he started to shut it. I thought they're not going to find us. Then he stopped and reached around, and looking behind the door, he said, they're here in English. Just before that, we had been praying. I was praying, and I just knew that that was it. And then the Lord said to me, Debbie, Psalm 91. He said, you have been with me in that secret place. Now you just stand in my shadow. That man ordered Keith and Debbie into the hallway. Keith says, when we stepped out of the bathroom and into the hall, we stepped into the presence of the Spirit of God. The power and the glory of God fell so strong that you could feel the walls rattling. I couldn't stand up. Keith had to literally hold me at one point. It was not from fear because fear was gone, Debbie said. I liked it one time when Keith said, it wasn't the courage we had, it was the absence of fear. And in that presence of God, there was no fear. The men demanded money. Keith had a $100 bill. He handed it over and said, in the name of Jesus. The tensions increased. Whoops, wrong page. I, I noticed instantly at the moment that he said Jesus, in Jesus' name, that both their heads, I mean, it was in sync. It was simultaneous. The power of God was so strong that they backed up from us, and, there were, and, and they were the ones who had guns. The five men went to the living room as Keith and Debbie stayed in the bedroom. The Jaggers waited an hour expecting the terror to continue, but nothing happened. Keith and Debbie heard the men leave the house and drive off in their car, and they never returned. Psalm 91 became part of our personality. I want to read that again. Psalm 91 became part of our personality. Psalm 91 became part of our personality, Keith said. It is just part of who we are. Reading from Psalm 91, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I'll protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I'll answer him, and I'll be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him, and with a long life, I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's what keeps us going, they say. Stand with me, and we'll end. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that we can be established in you. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live in fear and live in terror. Thank you, Lord. Pre-service prayer, we're praying, and Steve Burnside was telling us about a story when Templeton Elementary School in Templeton was locked down, and his child was in one of those closed classrooms with all the locks and everything on it. And just out of him, same kind of thing that, the Lord's our deliverer. We're trusting in the Lord. People are locked down in fear in this season, but we have a deliverer. Do you believe that? You have a deliverer. You have a savior. You have a helper. You have a protector. And I praise you for that, Lord. I pray that that reality would grow in us, that we not be driven by fear in this season or held bound by fear or held bound by terror, God. I pray in Jesus' name that our hearts would be established and who you are, that you're deliverer, protector. You have my life in your hands, God. You have your grip on us. Jesus, you said that we're in the Father's hands. No one could snatch us from his grip. I pray that we would exercise that. We would do our part to establish that in relationship with you. 
I pray that over our church family, God. Thank you for your protection over us. Thank you for your peace over us. These things that are coming in intensity in the culture. I pray you'd make us praying people, watchmen on the wall to pray protection, Lord. But it wouldn't grip our hearts with fear. It wouldn't hinder, Lord, what you want to do in us and through us. Thank you for angels. Thank you for the promise of angels. Angels in this place. You, you said in your word that the, angels, the children's angels are constantly coming and going in your presence. I thank you for angels over our church family, that you would guard us, God, and protect us. We'd be mindful of those things, more mindful of those things than these shocking uh, just terror attacks that are uh, just trying to instill that fear in us. I thank you that faith and love, God, drive out all fear. And I pray that that would be reality to us as your people as we're established in you.